Today, we're going to talk about the one consciousness. All of the great saints say the same things. They all say that there is only one jiva, one disciple. They all say that there is only one true consciousness. They all say, they always say that there is only one true dreamer. Why do they say these things? What experiences do they have, have they had, to create such firm convictions? These are bedrock, foundational statements. There is only one consciousness. Only one jiva, only one soul, only one dreamer, only one true self. These are big statements. But all the great saints say them casually, with reverence. Why? Let's look at a few quotes. Start with Ramana. He says, May the wise and valiant Jiva know that there is but one Jiva alone, one disciple alone, one conscious soul alone. And let that awareness grow firmly established in his heart. Consider well and answer, please. Who is born? Who stays in bondage? Who is it that is born and escapes the cycles of birth and death? Who is it when the thought of I no longer arises, when the thought of ego no longer exists? Are there any others, whether body bound or free? Or is there but one consciousness, one soul, one jiva? He also said at one time, like one who takes a crocodile for a boat and with its help tries to cross a river, are those jivas who, while they pamper the trivial flesh, claim that they are also earnest seekers of the living self, the greater self, the one consciousness. Give up the thought that this frail body is the true self. He says, give up the thought. Give up devotion to the body. Give up devotion to your desires. Let go of your fears about the frailty 
and the short life of the human body. Pursue the self, the greater self instead, which is eternal bliss, to seek it while cherishing the perishable body. is like trying to cross a river using a crocodile for a raft. A stark warning to the casual disciple. who likes to play the part of being a seeker of God consciousness and yet spends most of his or her time crazy, chasing desires and running from fears, pampering the body. As one who mistakes the comings and goings of the vehicle as one's own view and one's own true beingness, the fool not knowing his true being, the one being as the one self, suffers the shocks of a jiva's life in, in shackles of karma. What does the Rebu Gita say? There is not an atom apart from the true self. All space, all molecules, all atoms, all objects, all sentient beings are filled with the one consciousness, the true self, the one self, the one disciple, There's not one atom apart from the greater self, which is the integral, undifferentiated perfection of whole being and all the souls and all the jivas. The world and the creator are inseparable from the greater self. The reality of these is the reality of the one self only. All ignorance and illusion, all objects inert and living, all beings and non-beings, all of the five elements of diverse worlds, all bodies, all dimensions, all cosmos, all worlds, all civilizations, and the lives that arise in them are never different than the one consciousness, the one soul of the greater self. Existence alone is. For existence, simply put, and inexistence, simply put, everything exists as the greater Brahman self alone. And Brahman self is another word for nirvana consciousness, the one consciousness, the source consciousness in everything. On the other hand, all objective knowledge, all thought forms, all visible objects, all things heard, all questions and answers, all dreams at night and in the day, all the food consumed and all other illusions. Likewise, not being apart from the greater self should be regarded as a Brahman self only. 
Therefore, one should practice the habit of regarding everything, including yourself, including your experiences, including your dreams, as evidence of the one consciousness, as a blessing, as a gift from the one consciousness that you are. One should do this until all thoughts of things other than the greater self is lost and dissolved. This condition once achieved, one should not give room for any other thought and one should ever abide the peace, total stillness in the one greater self. Who sinned? Great Taoist saint. Said, no one is humble, there is only humility. No one is compassionate, there is only compassion. Removing the illusion of your own ego reveals the true one in everything. Seeing clearly is an impersonal event occurring in the absence of one intending to see clearly. In fact, it is the one intending to see clearly that is the impediment to seeing clearly. We think we are. Even as seekers, we think we can meditate, we can reach oneness. We can have oneness, we can achieve total harmony. These types of thoughts, these types of attentions, intentions, these type of desires, this type of imagination is a barrier. It's better to have these thoughts than to not care at all. But once we care, once we learn to care, once we learn to desire the one, it's time to practice oneness. And that can only be done by letting go of our illusions, allowing the one consciousness to exist as everything that we are. In an instant, says Hussein, an entire world is created when you dream. The dreamer merely watches, having no control over what the dreamed characters are doing. Then you awake. And in an instant, entire world is created. We've talked about this many times. Once we've started to reach the first bubble of consciousness in the eye center, first stage of enlightenment out of 22 stages, we got a little bit deeper. We start to have experiences where we awaken fully conscious as the dreamer in our nighttime dreams. In other words, instead of simply watching the dream, instead of merely getting lost in the dream at night, we awaken within the dreamer and realize that everything else is a dream. Literally, we wake up and realize that everything else that we're currently experiencing is a dream. It seems real. 
We even see a character in this dream that is, a, that is us. We can allow that dream character to run around in the dream, playing, cavorting, fighting, flying, moving with the other dream characters, while our consciousness watches the whole drama. And then sooner or later, we wake up from our sleeping time, and we wake up to a higher consciousness. We realize now we're in, a, in the world. But in the same way that we wake up within the dreamer in a nighttime dream, once we've reached this first level, this first bubble of consciousness, and we start practicing the silent observer practice, Sooner or later, we have a daytime experience of singular awareness that is much like the nighttime experience of a singular awareness in the middle of a dream. Sooner or later, we realize that the entire macrocosm of our world is not much different than a dream. In fact, it acts and reacts, and the characters act and react, much like the characters in our nighttime dream. They come and they go. If we can float, when we can float, learn to float, just float as a silent observer. We're having an experience that is not any different at all than the experience that we have when we wake up fully conscious in the nighttime dream as well. This is what Hussein is talking about here. In the moment when the sight meets the mirror, there comes an explosion in understanding where there's no difference between the two. Sooner or later, sooner or later, we see who and what we really are looking at the dream as if it's a play on a screen, realizing that everything on that screen are events we pulled back to ourselves because those events were uncleared, unfinished. We hadn't let go of the karmas, of the memories, you see. That's great. When we reach this point of reflection, that screen, whatever screen, whatever events are in front of us, that combination of events becomes a reflection of our existence, of our path. And that screen, in effect, becomes our mirror. This can happen when we're on the cushion. It can happen while we're floating around in the world. Mm -hmm. The Astravakra, which was written by a great saint, also talks about the one consciousness. He who is content 
with purified senses and always enjoys the solitude of oneness, has gained the fruit of knowledge and the fruit of the practice of yoga as well. The knower of truth is never distressed in the world for the entire world is but the oneness, is filled with the oneness of his consciousness alone. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. Everything that we experience is based on memories of an unfinished lifetime, unfinished karmas. None of these senses of the world please a man who has found satisfaction within, who has reached the inner stages of nirvana, not attached anymore to the things he previously enjoyed and not hankering after the things that he has yet to enjoy. Such a man is rare, hard to find. Most of the people in the world are happy being in the world. They haven't yet explored everything that can be explored. They haven't experienced every experience that can be experienced. They haven't dreamed every dream that can be dreamed. And thus, they haven't tired of the dream. They're still enamored with the dream. They're not empty. They're not hungry for something more. But as souls on the path, we felt the hunger. We felt the urge to merge within. It is only the noble-minded soul who is free from attraction or repulsion to life and death alone. So that still doesn't answer the question, does it? We know that all saints believe the same way. All the great saints firmly believe, calmly, completely, in a relaxed manner, believe that there is only one jiva, only one dreamer, only one soul, only one consciousness. But why? What experiences have they had that drive them to these beliefs? Beliefs which are no longer beliefs but just an awareness, pure, imminent, everlasting, immortal awareness. What experiences have they had that give them such conviction, that cause them to want to teach these types of teachings again and again and again, so sweetly, so beautifully, again, again and again. The answer lies actually in the previous experiences, the inner experiences of these saints. It's their experiences in the higher regions. And after coming from the, back from the higher regions, it's then also their experiences in the life, in life after they've reached full enlightenment. 
Hussein gives us a clue as to why this is so. He says, talking about himself, Hussein arrived just prior to this world. I am therefore, and so the world is. What does that mean? Guru Nanak said something similar once. He said something like, only the God consciousness itself understands when it is time to awaken from the great sleep and recreate the cosmos. Said that in the Japji. Saints, rare saints, less than 1% of 1% of 1% of some of the greatest saints on earth have ever abided in nirvana so long. I'm, I'm not talking months. I'm not talking years. I'm not talking decades. I'm not talking hundreds of years thousands of years. But there have been a handful of saints in the history of the earth. Maybe two handfuls. But there has been a tiny percentage of the great saints that like Nanak and Husin and Hafiz, Kabir and others who have waken up from nirvana, when there was no cosmos. Just consciousness alone. Just the pure consciousness of nirvana. Nirvana in the Vedas is called the resting state that exists before, during, and after the dissolution of the cosmos. It's recreated again and again and again. Some of the greatest saints, saints have woken up from nirvana four, five, six, eight, ten times and watched the cosmos being recreated again. If they are then born again on a planet, in whatever dimension, whatever solar system, whatever planet they're born on, they lead a different type of life from the very inception of their soul. They lead a life where they're awake in nirvana consciousness in the womb. Kabir has talked about this. Hafiz has talked about this. Guru Nanak talks about this. Kripal talked about it. Many saints have talked about it. But not all the saints. Just a tiny fraction. When they awaken within the womb, they not only have nirvana consciousness, but they have a deja vu experience 
of the consciousness they had just before the genesis of the soul and in the first few seconds of the soul's existence. It's very special consciousness, you see. Then in Nirvana consciousness, they watch as the body is created, as their single bubble of consciousness expands to create the fetus in the same exact manner that the first bubble of nirvana consciousness, when there was no cosmos, expanded in the multiple bubbles of consciousness to create the entire cosmos. Yes, a tiny fraction of saints have had this experience. And then when they're born, they come and go for the first eight or 10 years. They go into nirvana consciousness, come out into the world for a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks perhaps, go back into nirvana consciousness, come back into the world, go back into nirvana consciousness, so forth and so on. They're only reborn, mind you. Such great souls are only reborn, only come back to the cosmos to serve a purpose, to teach, to help others come back as well, to help others learn as well. And so they go through the same trials and tribulations. They make mistakes, they sin, they blunder, they introduce to the ego and fall into the traps of the ego, but recover very quickly. They learn the traps, but climb out of the traps, escape from the traps very, very quickly. And when they start to go in, they see every experience in every single level of consciousness very, very clearly. And once they've seen everything a second time around with the knowledge of waking up from nirvana, they gain a big picture, which only a handful of saints have. These saints are rare. They only come to serve a great purpose. They usually come when the civilization at large needs them the most just before a golden age, just before a golden age or in between two yugas, when the world needs to change in some very special way, positive or negative. These are the great saints. These are saints that see everything in great depth clearly as they grow, as they wander in the world. They see the ramifications of dreaming. They see the obscurations, they see the traps in detail. 
and they go in any level of consciousness, they see the consciousness at levels that are far greater than the platitudes that the, most other teachers use to describe consciousness. They can see and explain the structure of consciousness. They can see and explain the nature of the soul. They can see and explain what it takes at each level of consciousness to go to the next level of consciousness. These are great saints. These are great saints. They experience a cave of Brahma. It's discussed so few times. Krishna described it in the Mahavagad Gita chapter two. I've read 10 or 15 mm -hmm. copies of the explanation of Bhagavad Gita. None of the pundits grasped <laughs> the real meaning of that text in chapter two, where Krishna talks in detail about the experiences in the cave of Brahma and why you need that and what needs to happen for you to reach the crown chakra and have a fully immersive experience in the crown chakra as well as the cave of Brahma. These types of great saints, when they reach the crown chakra, their body will disappear. During life, they may die and come back to life two, three, four times. They lead a different type of life. They lead a life that's magical. They see miracles throughout their entire lives. You read Hussein, you read Guru Nanak, you read Hafiz, you read Kabir. They talk about the miracles, the magic, the beauty, the greatness of this one consciousness. It can do these things so automatically for every soul. And they see very clearly, I mean, experience very clearly. They experience the one consciousness in other souls as it's creating miracles for those other souls, even though those souls see it not. And they say nothing unless the other soul says, hey, what's happening? Dude, <laughs> do you really want to know? Most worldly people don't. But the jiva has felt the hunger, has felt the urge to merge, will want to know. And such a soul is there to explain what it's all about. You see, very few saints ever talk about the region of the white skeleton where after having come back from the crown chakra, you see, God consciousness, recreating a body for you from scratch, a new body. Great saints all see these things and talk about it. Buddha talked about it extensively. Bodhidharma, I think, mentioned it as well. The great saints have fully immersive experiences Having been to nirvana, they can easily handle the 
intense chaos of Keva Brahma, the intense chaos of multi the first few seconds of multidimensional awareness in the crown chakra. They can handle it with ease. Any disciple, in fact, that has reached these stages before can easily handle it with ease. Great souls, once having achieved multidimensional awareness, will remember how to share their consciousness with hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions and billions and trillions of other aspects of consciousness and will know the need to do it. We'll understand how important it is to abide, to learn how to abide at great depths, fully immersed depths, fully immersed experiences in every level of consciousness because they live so many lifetimes where they've fallen out of different stages of consciousness because they hadn't learned to abide in those levels of consciousness. And so when they come back with the goal of having to teach the world, they can explain these things in great detail. They know how to explain these things in great detail. And when they talk about it and they see blank stares and they hear blank questions, they answer with love and insight. Because they never leave nirvana consciousness. Nirvana consciousness is with them, comes and goes, but it's with them their entire lifetime in such a life. When they go to the creative region, the cosmos is recreated. They go to it much earlier than most disciples like us who have to go through these different regions. They have these experiences usually as a teenager, just fleeting glances just tantalizing glimpses perhaps, but it might last an hour or two. <laughs> but later, later when they fully reach the region of the creator, they experience it at phenomenal depths, absolutely phenomenal depths, experiencing things on a cosmic scale experiencing the creation on a cosmic scale. It's unfathomable by the human mind. But very few saints actually reach this level of consciousness. It's the ones who have gone all the way, waking up when there is no cosmos and coming back. You see, if you've lived millions of years in that resting consciousness. It's very, 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 very easy to be able to rest in that same consciousness during the creative aspect of the, of the world, of the cosmos. And to see how it happens at every level of consciousness.
This brings us back to the start of our original question. Why do great saints say that there is only one Jiva, one disciple, only one dreamer, only one consciousness? They say these things because so many of us need to hear these things. So many of us are too confused by the ego, too trapped by the ego, too entrenched in the lifestyles of being a human, too attached to mind-body awareness. All new disciples, all disciples have felt the urge to merge need to hear the fact that there is but one consciousness, one dreamer. When you wake up at night in the middle of the dreamer, how many other dreamers are there? Now I'm going to tell you another secret. When such a dreamer is awake, that dreamer can sometimes also feel the flow, the divine river of loving consciousness coming through them to recreate the dream, the nighttime dream. Such a dreamer sees it as well in the daytime world. Such a dreamer sees it as well in astral travels. Such a dreamer remembers what it's like to live in a God world and sees the creative process, the same creative process there as well. Such a dreamer can look deeply into a molecule and see creative flow of consciousness coming up from within it. Deeper yet, go into another world of molecular structures and see the same thing. These great saints, we're so lucky to live in the world with these great saints. Luckier yet, if we think about their key messages, blessed if we begin to understand them in the path, instead of being on the path, once we begin to understand their deepest lessons. The deepest lesson of all, the most important thing to understand is that there is but one consciousness. That one consciousness has always been us in every form we've ever been in. 
has always been us throughout this entire lifetime that we're in. Has been the magic behind every miracle. Has been the wisdom and the magic of every beautiful second we've ever lived in this entire life. It's enough as a seeker to understand, to have a feeling, even imaginative feeling, that there is but one consciousness, there is but one soul, one divine love. There is but one real, true state of harmony, state of equipoise in the entire cosmos. It's enough to accept that on faith. Because even in the very first bubble of consciousness, we'll see the proof. We will enter a consciousness where there is no other consciousness. We'll enter a consciousness that we know is immortal, timeless. We'll enter a stage of consciousness in that first bubble of consciousness where the body and the mind and the ego don't exist. And in that first bubble of awareness, once we've gone into it three or four or five times, maybe the first time, we'll sense the divine presence, the divine consciousness, entering our own soul to become our very awareness. You see, the message of the great saints, the Param saints, the avatars, that there is but one consciousness and it's within you. They pound that message and say it again and again and again. So that once we have this experience in the first bubble of awareness, when we have that experience, we'll realize that the greatest messages of the greatest saints are true. And that will give us the experience that, that we need to carry us through every single region of consciousness that will give us the spiritual faith, the conscious faith, the, the conscious unrivaled, unruffled belief. It will give us a certitude, the instant, Miraculous, loving certitude that there is but one consciousness, one soul, one level of consciousness in existence. That is the most important lesson in life. And that is why the great saints 
come back to it and teach it again and again and again. That lesson is our birthright. It's our destiny. And it's inevitable that we'll become one with that one consciousness. Namaste.